KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. A sit-down with San Diego County's new sheriff, Kelly Martinez. It is my responsibility as a sheriff to keep people safe and to provide them the health care that they need while they're in our custody. I'm Jade Hindman. This is KPBS Midday Edition. From jail deaths and use of force disparities, we talk about how Sheriff Kelly Martinez plans to address department issues. We're looking at best practices around the country to see if there's things we can do differently. Uh, we're enhancing the medical and mental health care that we're providing right now, and we're looking to renovate and change some of our jails. Plus, we'll tell you what's happening on the art scene in your weekend preview. That's ahead on Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. San Diego Sheriff Kelly Martinez is just a few weeks into the job as the county's top law enforcement leader. The San Diego native began her work for the department in 1985 as a deputy in the county jails. And as the department's 31st sheriff, she is tasked with bringing change to a jail system with some of the highest numbers of in-custody deaths in the state. I spoke with Sheriff Martinez about her plans for the department, and we began with how she hopes to bring down deaths within county jails. You know, we've already made a lot of changes in the last year. You know, I welcomed the audit from the state auditors that was directed by the JLAC last year, and we've really taken all of those recommendations to heart. Today we came out with a press release, which you might have seen, with a lot of the improvements we made as while I was under sheriff last year. We still have more work to do. I think uh, one of the things we did that it has helped is the better medical and mental health screening at intake, doing the urine screening at intake, which helps us identify what drugs someone might have in their system to help them with their withdrawal symptoms and what we can you know, what we should prescribe as part of the medicated assistant treatment. And some of those things helped. Having more naloxone in the jail and available in the jails has helped certainly reverse uh, some of the overdoses and things that are happening. How does the sheriff department take on that, that kind of responsibility? The jail is not a mental health facility. How do you manage that? Well, you know, you hit on a good point. The jails were built, a lot of them, 40 and 50 years ago. They were built with a different uh, idea in mind about how we incarcerate people and also a different population that might not have been as had as many mental health issues, medical issues, as some of the people that are coming into our custody today. But it is my responsibility as a sheriff to keep people safe and to provide them the health care that they need while they're in our custody. So we, we're looking at best practices around the country to see if there's things we can do differently. Uh, we're enhancing the medical and mental health care that we're providing right now. And we're looking to renovate and change some of our jails in the coming years. And what do you say to people whose loved ones have died while incarcerated and are looking for answers? 
first off, I you know I sympathize with anyone who's had had that experience. I think it must be terrible to have a loved one in a jail and you don't have access to that person. You don't know what happened. We instituted last year a more robust family liaison protocol where we have people assigned specifically to work with the families and to help them understand what happened when we can. One of the things that takes a long time and it's really because of workload is the medical examiner can't give us answers right away as well. It takes a while for them to get the toxicology reports back and to get us the, the answers to uh, what was really happening with the individual and that's just really um, nothing the medical examiner can help. It's just his workload is also it, it increased, particularly with the fentanyl overdoses and the deaths in the county. Yeah, and you mentioned drug overdoses. I mean, within the jails, they have also been a major problem. What do you know about how drugs are getting into county jails in the first place? You know, they're coming in a lot of different ways. People at intake, we're taking, we're recovering a lot of drugs that are on people when they come into intake. We're also recovering some when, you know, people swallow it, they body pack, they do a lot of different things. Drugs are granular. The drugs are granular in nature, and so it's very difficult to find, but we have body scanners that help us sometimes when we see anomalies. We can, you know, investigate if the person has drugs in their system or, you know, bulk drugs in their system. We're finding it in the mail. Uh, people mail it in, so we have changed the way that we process our mail now so that we're more efficient in finding drugs that come in through the through the mail system. People go to court and they get drugs passed to them in court. So we have, have to have a robust system of searching people when they come back from court. We're adding more body scanners, which will help, but the body scanners aren't perfect. They break down, they don't work. They don't always pick up the drugs. And so um, we do it, we have a lot of investigative techniques. We have more canines. So we're doing a, a lot to try to prevent the drugs. I mean, are deputies or, or jail employees bringing these drugs in? We don't have any evidence of that. Um, if we get any idea, and we have a lot of ways to find out if they are, I mean, all of our, um, you know, people will tell us a lot of times, and so we would investigate that if it happened, and we haven't seen any evidence of that. Last year, the department rejected a recommendation from CLRB to have all jail personnel scanned upon entry. I mean, if employees are not scanned with checked, how can you be sure uh, that's not how drugs are getting into the jails? So the body scanning that people suggest, as I said before, it's not a perfect system. It's not going to catch all the drugs that are coming in, but we can't body scan our employees uh, several times a day. It's just not healthy. It's not safe. And it's not really an effective way to find drugs that are coming in the jail all the time. We can't ever be 100% sure, but right now with the resources we have, we're going to focus where we know the drugs are coming in and work on that. And if we find evidence otherwise, then we'll look at that. The County Law Enforcement Review Board has made several recommendations for the Sheriff's Department in recent years. As sheriff, are you committed to accepting independent oversight of the department at all? Well, we've had the CLRB board for almost 30 years now. Um, we have a good relationship with them. I have a whole team of sergeants and a lieutenant that are dedicated to working with the CLRB board, uh, to um, attending their meetings. They listen to the recommendations. They research the recommendations and the viability of us putting them into practice. They've given us some good recommendations, and there's some we've already implemented before they make the recommendation. They just aren't aware we're doing it. And there, there's some that we, we don't do for a whole host of reasons. You will be San Diego County's first woman chair. Though this was not part of your campaign, I, I mean, I'm curious to know why not. You know, I really wanted to run on a, a campaign of based on my experience and qualifications. I've been with the Sheriff's Department for 37 years. I've worked every rank on this department at every level. I was a detective and deputy for 22 years. I was the undersheriff running the day-to-day -day operations since last year. So I really think and I hope that the uh, voters focused on that and not my gender.
Do you uh, plan to have more women in leadership roles within the department? Yeah, we've always had uh, some women in leadership roles currently. We have an assistant sheriff who's a woman and some com two commanders that are women. Um, I think based on qualifications and uh, the ability to do the job is what's really important. But I do also believe in diversity and I think that um, women need to have the same opportunities as anyone else on the department. Yeah, KPBS has reported about instances of sexual harassment within the department, and in some cases it's failure to address them at the time. How do you plan to address incidents of sexual harassment and really change the culture around that? You know, I hope having a, a woman in this role will make it easier for people to come forward. Um, we're certainly having a lot of those conversations about how we uh, make it safer or uh, easier for people, anyone to come forward who believes they're being harassed or there's some sort of bias in the workplace or something that's unfair. Um, we currently have trainings and we train our supervisors, but that clearly has not been enough to make people feel safe to come forward. So hopefully moving forward, we'll be able to get that message across and people will do that. You know, a recent study by the ACLU and Catalyst California that looked at the San Diego County Sheriff's Department found that 80% of patrol time is spent conducting officer-initiated stops, while 18% of this time is spent responding to calls from community members. And they found that Black people are more than twice as likely to be subjected to an officer-initiated stop than a white person. Do you see this as a problem? Well, I think anytime there's bias uh, in any form, it's a problem. And I hope that people who feel that they've been treated unfairly or wrongly by law enforcement, by the Sheriff's Department, again, will come forward and tell us about it. Um, if you view it as a problem, what do you intend to do about it? You know, as I said, I think getting the word out there, having those conversations, letting our communities know that it's safe to report incidents. And I think uh, we have a lot of mechanisms in place in, in areas where people can report that, that something like that is occurring, uh, including, you know, not only on our department, but also the clear board that you talked about before and other, other entities. So I, I think there's a lot of safe places for people to report it. We just need to make sure they're doing it. What's your response to the criticism that officers are engaging in pretextual stops? Well, I think investigative stops are an important way to keep crime uh, low. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing to make a car stop and conduct an investigation ba based on the circumstances, depending upon what's going on. We solve a lot of crimes that way. Um, we keep our community safe that way. As staffing remains a major priority for the department, how do you plan to bring up recruitment during your time as sheriff? You know, we've already done a lot. We have an incredible advertising campaign going on right now. Um, where we're at right now is not, uh, we're doing really well with our law enforcement numbers, but we have about 174 job classifications on the department, and so we really need to hire more nurses, more mental health clinicians. We need food service workers, uh, dispatchers, a lot of other positions as well, detentions deputies, so hopefully people will come and come in the door and apply. And I want to talk about gun violence. Um, last month, Dave Myers, who is a retired commander in the San Diego County Sheriff's Department and a former candidate for sheriff, wrote an op-ed in the Union Tribune saying you know, the county sheriff had initiated four gun violence restraining orders this year uh, compared to 63 by the San Diego County or San Diego City attorney. Rather, He quotes you as saying, you don't think GVROs should be standard operating procedure. Why not? Well, that's not exactly what I said. I said that... Uh, we, we take a lot more guns away from criminals than the use of GVROs. We do use them when they're appropriate. We know how to use them. Uh, it's a civil process where we enforce a lot of criminal laws, uh, which is different, and we've just had uh, more opportunity and success with the criminal law violations. 
What are the circumstances where you do support gun violence restraining orders? Well, we had an incident, uh, I think it was uh, the most, one of the most recent ones that we did where deputies, uh, a man pointed a gun at deputies and threatened them. Uh, they weren't able to, they arrested him and charged him with that as a crime. It wasn't filed by the district attorney. So they sought a GVRO because he was obviously a threat and a danger with his weapon and they were granted that GVRO. As we've been discussing, you are assuming leadership of a at, a at a really a critical time for the sheriff's department. What do you say to San Diego County residents to restore more faith and trust in county law enforcement? You know, just uh, the sheriff's department. We're, we're trying to be as open and transparent as we can be and accountable. So um, meet with your local sheriff if you're in sheriff's jurisdiction with your local leadership at the station if you have an interest in knowing more about what we do and why we do it and who's patrolling your area. That was San Diego County Sheriff Kelly Martinez. She will take her oath of office and be sworn in on Monday. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. For our weekend arts preview, we have a special performance exhibition, shadow puppets, classical music, and even some ways to kickstart your own creativity in the new year. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts producer and editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, welcome. Hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the shadow puppets. This one is actually an author event at a bookstore, huh? Yeah, this is at the Book Catapult in South Park. And they're bringing in Jenna Rose Nethercott, who is a writer and a folklorist. Uh, She lives in Vermont. And apparently she's also a puppeteer. She has a new book out. It's her debut novel called Thistlefoot. It's a modern fairy tale. It follows two estranged siblings. One is a woodworker and another is a street performer and a con artist. There is also a mysterious figure called the Long Shadow Man and a sentient house that walks around on chicken legs. And you can also expect a shadow puppet interpretation. Jenna Rose Nethercott brings a shadow cranky box to readings. It's like a little theater with spools and a scroll inside. There's paper cut illustrations and text from the book. And she kind of shadow puppets through the story. And this is Sunday at five o'clock at the Book Catapult. All right. And let's combine some more artistic formats. Project Blank has a special event that pairs music performance art, and visual art. What can you tell us? So yeah, this is called Working Title, and they have shows tonight and Saturday night. It's part exhibition, part performance. It's all installed at St. Paul's Cathedral near Balboa Park in Hillcrest. For visual art, there'll be painting, sculpture, installations, light art, some sound installation, and video art. And one of the artists I followed a bit recently is Beck Haberstroh, who has these photographs of composite faces that are actually the result of this layered process. Haberstroh made casts of friends' faces and then vacuum formed them with plastic, then kind of reconstituted the faces using artificial intelligence generated faces. So basically, these are faces that never existed. And this combination of the venue, the church, a sacred space as the container of all of this was significant to Haberstroh, especially thinking about how AI generates images. 
a lot of storytelling in churches and is in some ways trying to like make sense of this thing that is beyond human comprehension. When I think about something like artificial intelligence or machine learning, it's really something that is like beyond the capacity of an individual to to comprehend or even see, you know, like five billion images were used to train that the Lensa app that's like making the cartoon faces of people that's been going viral. You could never look at five billion photos in as a person. And the first hour of the event is just for browsing the installations. And then at seven o'clock, the performances begin. There's classical musicians, experimental musicians, sound artists, performance artists. One artist is Juni Min, who will do a live performance of, of this absolute transition of their body from male presenting to female presenting. And that's going to take place at the main altar of the church. This is all tonight and Saturday at six o'clock at St. Paul's Cathedral. Across town in La Jolla is a special classical music concert. Tell us about Les Salons de Musiques. Yeah, Les Salons de Musiques is this intimate concert series. It's held at the La Jolla Women's Club, and it's intentionally done without a stage so that the musicians and the audience are at the same level. And then a Q&A with a musicologist and the musicians um, happens before and after, so you can get to know the works that you're going to hear. And for this January concert, they're performing Franz Schubert's Winterreise, which means winter journey. It's a song cycle for a solo baritone voice and piano, and it's a setting for 24 poems by Wilhelm Müller, who's a German poet. A song cycle is this form of classical music that Schubert was pretty well known for, particularly the German Lieder or story form, and Winterreise is one of three that Schubert wrote. It's this really lovely and sweeping piece, and it's also very moody because it's almost entirely set in the minor keys, and the poems are also pretty moody. There's lots of wintertime loneliness and despair, but also a little bit of dreaming about springtime. This concert is Sunday at four o'clock at the La Jolla Women's Club. Okay, so it's the new year and we're all making New Year's resolutions. What's out there for people who have resolved to be more creative? There's a few options. Uh, the Mingay has a creativity challenge for January. So when you sign up, they'll send you an email every Monday starting January 9th with short creative prompts, things like drawing something from their per their permanent collection or writing a haiku and then you can share it online if you want or just keep it to yourself and if you need a place to make stuff the brown building in city heights has a free weekly open studio every wednesday night from 5 to 10 p.m they have tables easels tarps a printer even a screen printing press photography backdrops and dj gear that you can use the San Diego Public Library also just launched a winter reading challenge that's for all ages. It's called All the Feels. And if you read five books or read for five hours in January, you can win a prize. And if you want to write more this year, the Oceanside Library has a free monthly creative writing workshop. It's on the third Wednesday of each month. And one more. This is a little off the wall and niche, but I love it. Moxie Theater is holding a photo and story contest this month. It's niche because it's about birding. Um, it's a build up to their production of 
Birds of North America, a play next month, which um, it's a new play about a father and daughter who are birders. It's also about climate change. And Moxie's looking for stories or photos about you or someone you know that has fallen in love with birding. These are due February 1st, and you could win tickets to the play and also to the San Diego Bird Festival. You can find more ways to get your creative fix from the KPBS Arts Calendar at kpbs.org arts. You can also sign up for Julia's weekly arts newsletter there. I've been speaking with KPBS arts producer Julia Dixon-Evans. And Julia, thank you. Thank you, Jade. Have a good weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.